It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you all eyes are on the SEC. Welcome in. We are live here on this Wednesday, and we got a lot to do today. Uh, we will finish up our Falcons conversation from last week. Turn the page to next week. Aaron Freeman, Locked On Falcons, will join us. Uh, meant to get with us yesterday. Going to get with us today. That's okay. Make sure you guys give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget... We're on Roku TV. Make sure you download that Roku TV app on your Amazon Fire Stick, wherever you get Roku TV. Check out all the shows right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. All right. Um, wanted to get into uh, a whole bunch of uh, football talk today because there, there is a lot to go around. Uh, and I want to start with, obviously, the cocktail party, uh, Georgia and Florida, not Kentucky. Georgia and Florida. We'll get to Kentucky in a minute. But Georgia and Florida uh, playing down in Jacksonville. And it was interesting because – um, they released this statement earlier in the week, and I just saw this yesterday. Um, but apparently they, they released a statement about the joint of the future of the game in Jacksonville. And I'll read it to you real quick. It's very short. It says, the annual game between our two universities is an important tradition. At this time, both programs are focused on our current seasons. Typically, both schools begin conversations regarding future future games in the series. At the last, As the last contracted game nears, we anticipate following that timeline when those discussions take place. We'll consider a multitude of factors, including tradition, finances, future SEC scheduling models with the additions of Texas and Oklahoma. What's best for both schools' football programs overall? Okay. Now, this is interesting because both teams released a joint statement, which I think lends more to the fact that they just wanted to get out ahead of this so players and coaches didn't have to waste time answering questions uh, about this in the game going forward. Uh, with the focus wanting to be on the game and not necessarily, you know, dealing with when the cocktail party is going to uh, depart from Jacksonville. And at the end of the day, it's probably what's going to happen. Um, and they will go back to a home and home like normal. Uh, Cry me a river, Jacksonville. I know you lose, you know, uh, you lose tourism dollars and everything else. And I, I get it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad for you, but in the same respect, it's like, you know, there's other things driving this that are bigger than Jacksonville's tourism dollars. So, at the end of the day, um, Georgia and Florida as universities, probably their budgets are bigger than what Jacksonville's tourism budget is. So uh, they win out and you lose. That said, Georgia's going to kick Florida's ass this weekend. It's not even going to be close. Um, you know, a, a short handicap of this game. This is the way this kind of works out because Georgia is laying like it was at 21. I know it's up to 22 and a half here. Uh, but this goes back to a lot of what we saw last season with Georgia. What it really boils down to is how much is their opponent going to score? The key number here is like 13. If Florida stays under 13, Georgia can win this thing 41-13, cover and stay under the total. That's typically the formula that Georgia wants to use for success. If Florida gets to 17, it becomes a little bit more of a difficult scenario um, because you're going to end up pushing that thing over. So, uh, and not that it necessarily matters the over and under, but that's where this should be. Now, when you look at Florida, the only defense legitimately they have faced that is even remotely close to Georgia is Kentucky. They played a home game against against uh, Kentucky and only scored 16 points in it. So my guess is that Georgia's defense is going to be good enough to keep them down below 
uh, the range of, you know, 13, 14 points. Um, and this isn't, this isn't even the most attentive game on the schedule this week. Speaking of Kentucky, they're going to be in Tennessee taking on the Volunteers. This is going to be a very interesting litmus test for Tennessee for two reasons. One, it's a look-ahead spot for Georgia, which is always dangerous. I mean, they have just been smoking people. They've scored in the in successive weeks 38 against Florida, 40 against LSU, 52 against Bama, and 62 against Tennessee Martin. Um, they're not going to get to those numbers against Kentucky. Kentucky's defense is really good. It's really, really good. And what's more interesting about this game more than anything, and we're going to continue to focus on Tennessee's offense, and it's the wrong thing to focus on, but what you should focus on is Kentucky quarterback Will Levis going up against a defense that gives up 330 yards passing a game. Will Levis is going to tear that off, that, that, that defense to shreds. I've been telling you guys for a couple of weeks, Tennessee is going to get got because of that defense. Because their offense isn't going to put up 35-40 in this game. They shouldn't because Kentucky's defense is that good. Um, and you're going to have a Kentucky team that is really good when it comes to um, slowing down big-time offenses and keeping them in games. And oh, by the way, let's not underscore this. The second-best passing offense in the SEC is Mississippi State. Kentucky held them to 17 points last week. Now, do they have a quarterback as good as Hendon Hooker? No, Will Rogers is really good, but he's not Hendon Hooker. Um, but still, that is a full-on air raid pass offense that Mike Leach is running in Starkville. And Kentucky did a great job of keeping them to 17 points. Look at an Ole Miss team earlier this year that scores as fast as anybody in the country, just like Tennessee can. What did Kentucky do? Held them, held them to 22 points. On the road, no less. So I don't think Kentucky is scared about this moment at all. Um, I love Kentucky getting the 12 and a half. This is a great litmus test here because guess what? If Tennessee can't get to 30 against Kentucky, they're certainly not doing it against Georgia. And Georgia is good enough and good, well enough coached to be able to score 30 points on a Tennessee defense that is just flat out bad when it comes to stopping the pass. Speaking of bad pass defenses, we'll talk about the Falcons coming up here in just a moment with our good friend Aaron Freeman as he chuckles there in the waiting room. Want to tell you about betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your sports betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Uh, you can get news and reviews of every league, NFL. Falcons is sold as a favorite for the first time this year. I'm probably fading them. Just letting you know ahead of time. Um, you know, the, when, you, when you cover six in a row as a dog and then you get played as a favorite, you always got to go the other way. That's the NFL. There's college football, as we just talked about. World Series getting underway this week. You got NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, where the game starts here for the Falcons against the Panthers. And to join me to talk about that and more from Locked On Falcons, it is our good buddy, Aaron Freeman, joining us here on A to Z. And we'll bring Aaron, I have tried to, for the past two days, educate um, this fan base on what we watched on Sunday and what they really needed to be focusing on because pass attempts isn't it and passing yards isn't it. Uh, and what I've said is just simply that I have to give Arthur Smith a ton of credit because he is disciplined enough and he's smart enough 
not to ask his very limited quarterback to try to do more than what he's actually capable of. And he's always going to keep this team in a net positive by doing so. At the end of the day, when you drop back to pass, only four things can happen. Three of them are bad. That's a sack. That's an incompletion. Okay. And that's an interception. So the only other one is a completion. If three of those are bad and Marcus Mariota is not good at those odds, then why continue to throw when all it does is lead you to a net negative? Like that's the thing that people aren't understanding about this offense right now. Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. I, I think Arthur Smith is is doing his best job to basically through smoke and mirrors mask the fact that they yes. do not have a, a good passing attack. And I, I don't think that's well, his quarterback. Yeah. So I think that leads to the questions that a lot of people have is like, okay, well, if Mariota's not that guy, then can we find out if the other guy is is that guy? Give him a chance because uh, ultimately you, you sort of sit here and you wonder sort of what's the end game with Marcus Mariota. And I get it. Like I, I know Arthur Smith, he wants to build that winning culture. He wants this team to win games. And as long as he feels like Marcus Mariota is the guy that can, it gives him the best chance to win games. He's going to roll with Mariota. And, you know, ultimately that may lead to the Falcons being a seven seed and, and maybe they go to Minnesota and upset them in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, I, I'm not going to complain about that. And then, you know, in the second round of the playoffs to get the breaks beaten off of them by, by the Eagles as the, as the one seed or something. So like, if, if that's what he's aiming for, then like, I, I can live with that. I'm not going to complain about that, but I, I do think you do sort of wonder like, well, you know, maybe the other guy is, is better. Can he, can, okay. can you get more you 49ers like games from Ritter than you were getting from Mariota? Okay. I, I have to give Arthur Smith the benefit of the doubt. As a guy who said all he wants to do is win, 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 no matter what, to quote our good buddy DJ Khaled. Um, if he had any inkling that the ceiling was higher with Desmond Ritter, why would he not play him? Right? I, I think you're getting the exact same thing. I think the ceiling is equally as high. And all you're doing is taking an inexperienced young quarterback and asking him to do things and make decisions that he just doesn't have the reps to do at this point in time. Like, I think you eliminate a certain amount of risk with Mariota over Ritter just based off of a rookie making rookie mistakes, right? So yeah, I, yeah. that's why that's why we're not seeing him at this point in time. I mean, is was Ritter known for his accuracy? No. Was he known for a rocket arm? No. He was known to be able to make plays. Of course he was. But Mariota's making plays. So tell me how we, we have any idea – that Ritter is going to be decidedly better than Mariota because I say the answer is no. We don't know. And but <laughs> when you know Mariota's not the answer, you kind of go like, but maybe, maybe, and even if it's like a 10% chance or a 20%, you know, I don't know. I, I just think I think you can make a case again. We, we haven't seen enough of Ritter. We're basing a lot of our opinion off of what he did in Cincinnati and what he did in the preseason. But you just kind of wonder, okay, you're not going to change the game plan with Desmond Ritter. It's going to be the same. They're going to run the ball 40 times. They're going to throw it 15 times. But you do wonder, like, okay, could Ritter go 12 for 15 and throw for 160 yards instead of 110 yards that Marcus Mariota is giving you? Like, that feels like such a low hurdle to clear that you kind of feel like maybe the rookie can do that. It's like trying to date a girl. Like, all you have to do is have a heartbeat and a job, and I think you're, you're hateable. Um <laughs> It's pretty much the bar that you're asking to clear. Here's the one thing I will say. Look, and I asked Arthur Smith about this on Monday. And he understands it's fair. And, and look, I've been out to every single one of those press conferences. 
And, you know, Art and I are vibing now. He understands where I'm coming from with this stuff. You know, he, he, he gets Zeno. Like, it's like you, Aaron. It took you like four years to get me. <laughs> yeah, Arthur Smith yeah. managed to do it in like six weeks. Mm. Um, but, you know, like, and I phrase it like, you know, Arthur, I understand you're targeting Kyle, right? Like, I'm not debating that you're not targeting him. But how do you maximize the production? Because if you're only going to throw 13 passes, and oh, by the way, seven of them were targeted to pitch. So stop complaining about Pitt's targets. Like, one to Drake London, unacceptable. I get it. But that was the anomaly of any game this year. But half the passes he threw were targeted to the guy that we drafted for to get tar those targets. So that's not the issue. The issue is, is how do you complete more of them and how do you get more production out of it? And he understands that he needs to get more production out of it. But I'm not sure what else you want him to do other than give the command to Marcus throw the ball to Kyle Pitts or nobody else, which is a bad command for a coach to give. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I don't think the issue is Pitts getting enough targets. Obviously, like, you need to hit, if you want Pitts to get more targets, you need the Falcons to throw the ball a whole lot more. And as we just discussed, they're not going to really do that if they can help it. Um, I think the main complaint is, like, can we can we get those targets on target, right? Like there was, yes. a, there was a miss that Mariota had when he threw behind pits that should have been a completion. And I think the only gripe you can have with Arthur Smith is going back to that Seattle game and that opening drive where it felt like he got some layups to Kyle Pitts early in that game. Some high percentage. So you got to get it going early. And they try to screen in this game to, I think to Pitts and it didn't that. get completed yep. uh, or it got blown up because Jake Matthews missed the block. So it, it feels like, there's room for growth there, but like it does feel like this, you know, they're not throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts narrative. You know, the, the fantasy uh, folks are. are, are you know, and again, I, I am for the people who want to have the conversation of you drafted him fourth and put this in a draft context. I get it, but that has nothing to do. You, you could have had that conversation last year and you could have had it before the draft. Like that conversation hasn't changed. You take a pass at your fourth overall, you get him the damn ball like that, that, that's never changing. So I, I don't know that that's necessarily germane to what the Falcons struggled with. Look, in reality, we got to remember a couple of things. One, this is an offense that has only scored more than 24 points once this year. The offense, right? Because they scored 27 against Seattle. The 28 against the Niners was a defensive touchdown, and the 27 against the Rams was a special teams touchdown. Those weren't offensive touchdowns. So this is an offense that's only really going to get in the end zone twice a game with two coup field goals. Like, that's where they are. We, we knew this. Like, all of a sudden, I, I and again, I hate it when people forget where we started. Because, Aaron, you and I talked about this. If I told you on 1 September, they were going to be three and four after seven games, you would have done backflips and said, I'll take it, no matter what, right? But they start winning a little bit, and they start having some success, and all of a sudden, it's like, well, we forgot how bad we were supposed to be, and we think we're better than what we are. No, 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 no. This is a very limited roster, and this coach should be getting pumped up in accolades every single week for managing to keep this team in games. And, oh, by the way, let's totally not have the conversation about the defense getting roasted for 35 because they've given up yards like like Halloween candy um, coming up next Monday. And, and you know – I know Smith, Arthur Smith, stats be damned. Yeah, well, eventually those stats caught up to you because you're giving up more yards than anybody in the league right now through the air. Yeah, yeah. Their, their bend but don't break style did not work because they did a lot of breaking, they had a lot of bending and a lot of breaking. You, you Basically, that formula, only 
It doesn't work when you can't get off the field in third downs. It doesn't work when you can't get stops in the red zone. And it doesn't work when you're giving up big play after big play after big play, which Cincinnati was able to get. So, uh, you know, I, I hope Carolina's offense doesn't <laughs> do that. PJ Walker is not ripping them apart. You know, I think we'll have a lot more questions uh, moving forward if, if Carolina is able to have similar success. But, you know, Cincinnati's, you know, they're a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, so it's not surprising right. that they were able to and, really exploit the weaknesses. Oh, by the way, the even, even if A.J. Terrell played the whole game, you get the same result. The yeah, same maybe result. one less touchdown. Yeah, maybe. It would have went to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, yeah. whoever was covering it would have went to somebody else who was open. And yeah. I get, like, you know, they had backup guys playing. Okay, I mean, that happens. But still, this defense has been getting torched week after week from a yardage standpoint. That's going to catch up with you. Speaking of catching up with you, the other thing, and then I want to move on to Carolina a little bit, but, you know, the argument of, well, this isn't sustainable. Well, no bleep. Like, whoever said it was. Like, nobody ever said that winning the way the Falcons have won this year is sustainable. No one ever argued that. But the alternative is losing the same way. So wouldn't you rather win? I, I don't, I don't, like, when people make that argument, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we all you're not saying anything anybody isn't aware of, and Arthur Smith isn't aware of, and the entire coaching staff and Terry Fontenot aren't aware of. You can't win a lot of games this way. But if you're gonna win more than you lose with it, then just take it for now. Like until you get a better roster, this is what you are. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think for me, I want to see this team grow. I want to see by years in, I want to see real growth from this team by the time we get to week 18, and hopefully, you know, potentially finally beating Tom Brady. Uh, I want to see an offense that, hey, instead of throwing it 15 times a game and completing seven passes in a game, maybe we can throw the ball 25 times a game and, and complete 16 passes in a game. And if that's where we are and we're still, you know, a running team and we're playing this bend but don't break defense, like that to me, I'll, I'll look at that as a positive, even if we're not looking at this passing attack as being a high level unit. But it's like, OK, they were able to grow and evolve over the course of the season. They got better. That's good coaching. I think all of that is is sort of where I'm looking at in terms of their sustainability is like, can they get better than this? Or are we already seen sort of the ceiling for what this offense can be? Again, I, I hate to hammer this home because it, it just bears repeating because Arthur Smith should be getting applauded by everybody in this city for the job that he's doing with this team. Again, I went back and counted all their plays in the second half. when they Remember, it was an 11-point game at halftime, Aaron. Now, again, if I instead of being 28-17 to 17 at half, right, if that's 21-10 or even 14-3, you're looking at things a thousand percent differently, and you're not – no one's bitching about the run at that point because – well, you didn't give up all those points. You're like, okay, we're in a tight game. It's defensive. You know, we've held this offense in check. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't get away from your strength. Like, that would be exactly what people would be saying. But because you gave up 28 points and you gave up 21 of it in a flash, people weren't like, okay, we're still in this game down 11. Let's let's just play our game. We should get out of it. Um, but in the second half, 12 passes, 8 runs. That's a 60% pass clip. That is a far divergence from what they were doing all year long. And not only that, on 12 of those passes, Aaron, he was sacked three times. So what you're asking me here is to pass more with an in inaccurate quarterback, a bad offensive line, okay, and a guy that really, you know, doesn't have a ton of weapons all around him other than one real guy, two guys, you know, um, it just adds up poorly. 
And, and I'll add this because I talked to a couple of quarterbacks about this, and I thought this was worth repeating. The one thing Arthur Smith, I think, needs to do more of uh, is play action. Stats show every quarterback is better out of play action. They all are, right? Because it gives them time. But here's the problem with Mariota, because he's so limited. When you do play action, he can only do play action from the shotgun, and they telegraph it because they can't do real play action because when you put him under center, guess what he's got to do? He's got to turn his back to the defense for a second and a half, and he's not fast enough to pick up everything that moved while he had his back to the defense. Arthur Smith knows this and won't put his quarterback in a bad position. I keep reiterating it a thousand times, but I need people to understand why the things are executed the way they are. Yeah, I, I got no complaints with what Arthur Smith is doing. I think he's doing a great job uh, trying to maximize his team. You know, him, Brian Dabo, and whoever else certainly are probably the lead candidates for coach of the year currently uh, through halfway through the season. Um, you know, the thing with Mariota, I agree with your point about him turning his back to the defense. I think the issue is, like, when you look at all the sort of shotgun play action, I think they're running play action at, like, a historic clip. I think they're running play action more than, like, any offense in the last five years has run it and so it's like do we need to dial up that even more than what we're currently doing well, to, to master a the shotgun right yeah and again that means you know linebackers freeze but again it's just a different look all around when you're under center remember they talk about a lot of these college kids coming out you know it doesn't play under center doesn't play under center and it's a problem you need to be under center because that's where play action is more effective that rpo thing i think defenses have started to figure out a little bit more of how it is and if you don't have a quarterback that takes off immediately and Mariota doesn't do that and again i'm just spitballing some ideas here um it sort of limits it you know um i i love smith's scheme so i can't hate on it but i didn't realize they were running play action that much yeah i think it's like half their snaps is, is some form of play action so it's like okay like most teams don't run more than 30 percent. you're at like 48 or something like that last i checked so it's like you know can, can you go to 50 60 <laughs> percent it's like I, at some point i think the defense will stop stop biting on it it's like okay they just this is what they do every single snap so um i i think we'll we'll see what the falcons can do but I, again i think there's room for growth for this passing attack again I, I think if mariota can just give you what he showed against the 49ers every week there's there's no real room for complaining but when you just feel like the play calling is is so designed to hide the quarterback. And I, I do agree with you. The offensive line probably deserves a lot more criticism. And I think that's probably the real root issue of why Arthur Smith is calling the offense this way is because he knows his offensive line can't really hold up if they do a standard drop no. back passing attack. No. Um, and so like, again, that, that's where I, I want to see, hopefully by years in, we can say, okay, like this offensive line isn't going to be good, but are they going to be just so terrible that they, they're still running play action 50, 60% of the time to, to mask that they can't hold up. We need to see that growth, especially given some of the young guys that we have up there. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think we're both hitting on the same thing, which is just generally the concept that Arthur Smith's scheme is to hide the deficiencies of everything else on a roster that, remember, was thought to be one of the worst in the league, right? Remember, Art, Art, Art listens to A to Z every day, so he knows. <laughs> Predicted 45th, right? Wrote you guys off back in May. Yeah, that, that's us. So, you know, but still, nonetheless. All right, make sure you guys check out Locked on Falcons. Aaron, great to talk to you. Appreciate the time as always, brother. Thanks, and uh, I, I hope I hope Locked on Falcons is going as swimmingly as A to Z is these days. Hey, man, I, I love to come on your show and yell about the Falcons. Always appreciate it. <laughs> you got it, brother. Stay well. Thanks for the time.
All right. Um, yeah, make sure you guys check out Locked on Falcons as your first listen every single day. But make sure you check out as well NFL Key Predictions every Friday at Locked on NFL. Locked on's local experts give you the inside scoop, plus the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday Night Football, plus betting advice from the leading experts bet online. Follow NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked on NFL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, you know what time it is, folks. Time for a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. How are we doing? Every day we got to set somebody straight for saying or doing something stupid, and we'll do it right here on A to Z. You can do so on my Twitter account at Mark Zinnel, M A R K Z I N N O. Just use the hashtag Level of Wisdom. And today my shovel goes to NFL officials. Yeah, now it's not because they messed up a play, and it's not because they, uh, you know, uh, you know, it would did something stupid that they weren't supposed to do. I mean, you guys have heard about this by now, but the investigation is quickly complete into. Uh, what happened with the Buccaneers, Mike Evans, after the game. Um, officials Jeff Lambert and Trip Sutter, Sutter uh, appear to ask Mike Evans for something in the tunnel after the game. You see them hand Mike uh, Evans a piece of paper and he writes something on it. People assumed it was an autograph and everybody jumped to conclusions, blah, 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 blah. Mike Evans told reporters on Tuesday, quote, I wasn't signing my autograph. I'll tell you that. I talked to a lot of officials. We're all human beings. He was a nice guy, so we were talking about golf. That's all. We was talking about close quote. The NFL did their own investigation, found that there was nothing, you know, uh, nefarious going on. There was no request for an autograph. Um, they reminded the league officials that you know the mere appearance of impropriety and interacting with players is very, very bad. Duh, uh, we we know that as well. So, regardless of all that, you know, the the officials need to know better. They need to be smarter uh, and figure out exactly uh how to go about doing that i mean and, and you should know that there are cameras in the tunnel all around like there's a way to go get a team rep to talk to somebody and have them come out like it was just poorly handled all around so yeah glad that is over with all right um this is interesting because the nfl trade deadline is coming up um and they did a column on espn with all the nfl nation reporters about you know, players that could be traded from each team, right? Um, and everybody threw a, every writer for a team threw a name out there. And Michael Rothstein, who covers the Falcons for ESPN.com, put his name out there. Um, yeah, well, he wrote, nobody. Nobody on the Falcons is in the spot to be traded. And I'll tell you what, I agree with him. Um, again, they've already been busy. They traded Deion Jones. Um, they released Marlon Davidson officially yesterday. Um, and uh, running back Damian Williams could have been a possibility, but he's on injury reserve. Um, Cordell or Patterson could be one, but they need him too much. Um, you know, there, there's, there's nobody that they're not going to get rid of A.J. Terrell or, or Grady Jarrett or anything else. So I agree with him. There, there is uh, nobody that they would trade away, but they could trade away the player they don't have yet. And that's called a draft pick. I mean, if you look around the league 
at players that could be available. And I'll go back to the same name that I keep giving you. Um, but I look at uh, a guy like Roquan Smith. And again, necessarily doesn't have to be at the trade deadline, but you're not really going to have another opportunity to get him. He's becoming a free agent, yada, yada. yada. I, I get all that. But I'll continue to say, with the cap room that this team has coming and the availability of players that will be out there, it makes a ton of sense for them to be very aggressive in the trade market as much as they are in the free agent market. I, I think that that absolutely is something that this organization should do because if you're going to rebuild this roster quicker, the easiest way to do it, okay, is with ready-made players. You watch team after team after team dump away draft picks. The Rams have done it. The Niners have done it. The Eagles have done it. And guess what? They're good teams. Well, the Rams are struggling, but they won a Super Bowl first. So, nonetheless, just something to think about overall about the Falcons and the position that they are in because um, if this roster is going to get better faster, there are a lot of ways to do it. Free agency gives players choices. Trades do not. You get the guy you want in a trade. So I'm not afraid to give up draft picks. I hope Terry Fontenot isn't either, and I hope that they can really make some strides, especially not the fact that they're sitting here and in this thing. You know, I would love for them to be active at the trade deadline. Grab somebody else, anything else that makes them better. You know, I mean, it, it absolutely is is worthwhile to look at the trade market before November 1st and try and find a guy um, that, you know, absolutely could help this roster both now and down the road. All right, that'll do it for this Wednesday edition. I want to thank you for making Locked on Falcons your first listen. For your next listen, check out Locked on Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day plus instant reaction, big game recaps. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel here for Locked on Sports Today. Give a thumbs up for all the content. Download that Roku TV app on your Amazon Fire Stick where you get Roku TV. Check out Locked on Sports and all the shows here as you do every Okay. Back tomorrow for a Thursday edition. You guys have a great midday update. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 